Hi everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the businesses and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Jerry Callahan, founder and CEO of Heatworks. Now before Heatworks, Jerry was the co-founder of Blue Rhino, the propane company that we see in thousands of locations around the world. And since he's left Blue Rhino, he started his newest company, Heatworks. And what Heatworks does is change the way we heat water. So they've accumulated now over 50 patents. And one of their first products is a countertop dishwasher that requires just a gallon of water and can clean your dishes in 15 minutes or less with a fraction of the water and a fraction of the energy. And the same technology is being used to build the shower of the future, new dialysis machines, the way we thermoregulate the batteries in electric vehicles. The applications are far and wide. So without further ado, I cannot wait for you guys to hear our interview with Jerry Callahan, founder and CEO of HeWorks. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. We're excited to be here. So Jerry, let's jump right in. What is HeWorks? So HeWorks is a technology company that I started several years ago to commercialize this, what we call omic array heating technology that we've invented. I started working on it about 12 years ago and we're just based out of Charleston, South Carolina, and we've got lots of neat products and partnerships underway. Can you explain at a high level, what is the problem area that HeatWorks is focused on solving? So we think about it at a very high level about saving water and energy. Our technology saves about 40% energy when you're heating water in pretty much any application. In addition to that, we save water depending on the application. But ultimately, what we do is we end up with a better and more reliable product for uh, the customers. We think about it in sort of the ways of three Ps, like nobody has a precision temperature that we have, which is important for brewing hot beverages like coffee and tea. No one has the performance we have with you know significantly less energy and water usage, and nobody else has the reliability that we have. So that's how we think about it. And each different vertical that we're working with, that problem set is you know, is larger or, or smaller. For example, residential water heating, energy efficiency is you know pretty significant. As I said, in you know hot beverage brewing, you know, temperature control is more important than energy efficiency. It's super interesting. And before we get into the the actual solutions themselves, and for those listening, I mean, these are beautiful products as if they've come out of a company like Apple, that attention to detail and beauty and product design. I would love to jump into your personal history. So how, how did we get to HeatWorks. What were you doing before? And then what was the Eureka moment? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I've actually done a lot of things. I was an engineering uh, student in college and studied sailboat design, but never used it because nobody was hiring sailboat designers. So I pretty much spent my life working on engineering related projects, either running large offshore construction companies or uh, working on companies like Blue Rhino. But the aha moment with HeatWorks technology was about 12 years ago, I was building an outdoor shower for my home. As I said, I live right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And I went to figure out how I get hot water from my tank, which is about 150 feet away. And I thought, well, that doesn't make much sense to run that much uh, pipe because you'd end up pushing a lot of water before the hot water ever delivered. So I decided to go to a big plumbing wholesaler and, and buy an electric 
tankless hot water heater. And the person behind the counter who ended up being the store manager convinced me not to buy it. As a matter of fact, he said he wouldn't sell me one because I would bring it back and the performance wasn't good and it would fail quickly. And he went through this whole problem list. And coincidentally, I was actually looking for a project at that time. And so I thought, well, hmm, this is kind of an interesting thing to have a product that, that categorically saves energy, is compact, and yet no one wants to sell you one because they're not very reliable. So he actually gave me a couple of units that have been on the shelves for a couple of years, and I took them home and took them on the workbench, and I took them apart, and I thought, well, this is pretty pretty ancient technology. And I realized that water heating technology as we know it today, other than what we're doing, uh, hasn't changed in over 100 years. And I thought, well, there's got to be a better way to do that. And, and I said I was looking for a project, and I took it on, and I said, well, let's figure out how to do it. And a couple of weeks later, I did. Of course, there were a lot of refinements after that. That was, uh, that was a eureka moment. Can you speak to how does the omic array technology materialize into your product line? So one of the things, by the way, that, that people don't understand is how much of their energy budget water heating actually consumes. So it's about 15 to 18% of your total energy consumption, which is secondly only to heating, ventilating, and air conditioning. So it's a pretty significant amount of it. And you know, if you could say 40% of that, that saves a you know, typical consumer you know, a couple hundred dollars a year. So not insignificant. And the nice thing is you don't have to change your behaviors in order to get that happen. The technology just does it. But so what we do, instead of having heating elements get really hot, we use the electrical resistance of the water itself as a heating element. So as I mentioned, you know, existing technology has heating elements that get really hot and transfer the heat to the water. We totally eliminate that step. We just, what we call direct electrical resistance heating. We pass controlled electrical currents through the water. It's totally safe. All of our products are UL certified and approved. We do it in a controlled manner so that we only heat the water to the temperature that you want. So one of the things we're working on is what we call the shower of the future. So basically, there won't be any knobs, twist. There'll be a shower head, and then you'll walk in, you'll open the shower door, open the curtain, and this body mass sensor will say, hey, it's Peter. Peter likes to shower 108 degrees, and immediately the water will come out at 108 degrees. And of course, with voice activation, you can raise it or lower if you want. But basically, you walk in, the water comes out instantly, comes out the right temperature you want. You close the door, close it, or leave the, leave the shower enclosure, and it shuts off. So there's you don't waste any time or any water or any energy, and it's all automatic and tailored to, to you or your wife or your children or whatever. It's kind of a cool thing. So it responds based on voice input, right? It's like you right. it hears, wow. Yeah. And it understands your preferences, right? Because you could probably have the app that says, Peter, whose voice is X has right. this set of criteria. Right. And, and the thing that's even cooler about it is, you know, it's not so much of an issue here in South Carolina where we live, but certainly in the northern climes, you know, that position that you talked about jiggling the knob changes between winter and summer, right? Because the incoming water temperature is colder in the winter. With our technology, there's no jiggling at all. You want it 108, bang, it's 108. You want 110, bang, it's 100. But what we're trying to save is, you know, again, back to the, to the water and energy thing is, you know, you think about typical person, and I used to do this, is, you know, you want to get up in the morning, you want to take a shower, you turn the knob on, you know, you go check your email or make a cup of coffee or something like that until the water gets hot, which is, you know, usually a pretty good amount of time unless someone's used a shower before you. And, you know, all you got all this water and energy going down the, the drains. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of gallons a year. And, you know, water's a big issue. And, of course, you're wasting a lot of energy, too. So, and it's obviously more convenient. You're saving time. And I want to take a shower back. Here we go. Let's get in the shower. It's kind of neat. Another thing that I just need to tip my hat to is the attention to design. I mean, like I said, 
it feels like a product you'd expect from Apple's creative genius, like Tesla. And I know, I mean, even Time Magazine named Heatworks the best invention in 2018. What has been the path to this recognition? Well, it, it, it's interesting you say that because uh, my children who are now adults, if they ever say, what is the most common thing that, that really ticks your dad off? And it would, they would say, he would say, this is a terrible design. And it doesn't matter if it's functional or visual, but I guess it's part of my, my engineering upbringing. But I just think that you know, in general, design levels can be brought up from, from where they are. And, and certainly, if we have a you know, revolutionary technology we have, there's no reason why you shouldn't showcase it. So we work really hard on design, and, and I have to give a lot of credit, a ton of credit to our design partners. We work with a company called Frog Design, which actually celebrating their 50th anniversary. They have been around for 50 years, and uh, they were the first design firm that Steve Jobs used with Apple. So they started with Apple. So it's interesting you made that discussion, you know, that correlation early on. I, I definitely hear you on the kind of product design sentiment. One thing, totally tangential, is door handles. I don't know if, if this is something that irks you as well, but I think we, can, we should codify this. When you're entering an establishment, you pull. And when you're leaving an establishment, you're pushing, right? The assumption should be that you're leaving with something, thus your hands are full, so you should make it such that the body can just push versus having to hold onto a handle. I don't know why retail can't get this right. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that is, that is frustrating. Okay, so transitioning slightly to the product development, like I said, the beautiful thing here is that the Omic Array technology is going to transform a number of applications. How do you zone in? on what products to work on first? That is a challenge. So we're actually sort of a hybrid company. So we have products that we develop ourselves, but most of the things, projects we're working on are actually making other people's, other companies' products better. But we think about the Model 3 and Tetra, which is our self-contained countertop dishwasher, and Duo, which is our battery-powered carafe. Those are products that you can't do, or certainly can't do well with existing technology. So it's part of a showcase for our technology, but it's also a much better, much better way to do things, you know, from a, from a consumer perspective or achieve the desired result. I'm going to talk about those products in a sec, but some of the other things you're working on are everything from thermal management for electric vehicle batteries to massive water heaters that would heat like a huge hotel or office building in Manhattan, and then hot beverage and regular appliances. So we have most of the applications for our Omega Ray technology you won't see with our name on it. You'll see it with somebody else's name. Can you speak to the countertop dishwasher. I know it's available for pre-order. What is that? So Tetra is a self-contained countertop dishwasher. It's about 16 inches by 14 by 18. So it fits on your countertop underneath your cabinets and it's self-contained. So you don't have to hook it up to plumbing for water coming in and going out. And basically what you do is you open the door, you pour about four liters or a gallon of water in, it automatically separates into three different reservoirs and one is for wash, and then there's two rinse cycles, and it does a whole cycle in under 15 minutes, and it does a super job, and it saves, you know, compared to a conventional dishwasher, it saves probably about 80% of the water, and depending on how long your cycle is, you're going to save probably, you know, 75% of the energy, and it's also useful in a lot of places. I mean, we have people with RVs that want to buy them. We have, you know, obviously college dorms and apartments. And it really is just, it really is terrific. And, and it's got three cycles on it. So 
you can actually use as like a regular conventional dishwashing cycle. And then there's a stemware cycle, which where we actually turn the pump down, but you can put fine glassware in there and not turn it into glass shards. And then there's what we call the baby bottle cycle, which is specifically made for baby bottles. And the racks that are inside of it are modular in nature, so you can you know, fine-tune what you want. If you want to just do a bunch of plates, you can set those up in there. And you know, we wanted to make it really, really beautiful, again, because we're really focused on design. And there's two things to note about that. One is, as a child, I spent a lot of time at the Museum of Natural History in New York and loved those dioramas and the glass museum-style cases. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you could actually see what's going on inside of a dishwasher? You know, that's sort of the engineering. So that was part of the impetus. But the other part, if you notice, there's a contour top on it. So that's also meant to be a design feature. But it's also, from an engineering perspective, it also diverts and changes the spray pattern that come up from the spinner at the bottom. So not only does it look cool, but there's kind of a functional aspect of it as well. So it's fun having the opportunity to use design, not only from an attractiveness perspective, but also from a functional perspective. I think what's so interesting here is that dishwashers, broadly speaking, are a luxury. I mean, I'm, I'm in New York City. We were very lucky to have that as an amenity, but across the US and the world more broadly, my hunch is that there are way fewer residences with dishwashers than without them. So- That's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, for example, in the UK, which we consider to be obviously a first world country, the dishwasher penetration rate isn't even 50%. Wow. In the US, it's more, it's, I believe it's north of 80 but I just had a conversation with someone this morning about the UK, and that was the data set we were looking at. Mm-hmm. When you were considering the dishwasher as you know product number two or three on the consumer side, did you look at those world penetration metrics to inform that decision making? You know, we did a little bit, but you know, it was really more of an emotional decision, not necessarily as logical, which is sort of odd for an engineer, but, uh, and, and I have to check myself on that from time to time, but it really, I, t- I tell you what really sealed it. So I've got to make a long story short. I have a great friend, one of his son's college roommates works for one of the big investment banks in New York and got a big raise. This was about two years ago and decided to lease a new building, release a new building on the Upper East Side. And they had some models, but the building wasn't finished yet. He paid several thousand dollars a month, if you can imagine. Well, you live in New York. It's not hard for you to imagine. For this apartment, and so they call them up. They say, oh, you know, your apartment's ready. Come on in and, you know, we'll sign the lease. And so he goes up there. He gets shown around for the leasing agent by this gorgeous place with views of the East River and things like that. You know, it's it's small. It's a studio, but it's still brand new and things like that. He goes into the kitchen, and he says to the leasing agent, he goes, hey, this is great. He goes, but where's the dishwasher? And the lady said, honey, you don't get a dishwasher for whatever it was, $6,000 a month in Manhattan. And when I heard that story, I thought, you know, that's just one of those things you, that really sort of staples this whole thing together. We've got to go forward with it. And then since then, we've got, I don't know, over well over 20,000 people signed up to buy them on our website. So it's uh, it's getting a lot of customer acceptance. And as you, as you said, you know, the rest of the world, Asia, is going nuts over it. We're probably going to do another version of it that's uh, code word, sort of baby Tetra, which will be smaller and will maybe just be focused on uh, – on wine glasses and, and baby bottles, but more, more on baby bottles. And that's something you could actually leave in the nursery. You don't have to leave it in the kitchen. You know, so it might do four or five or six bottles or something like that at a time. So a little bit of spoiler alert there. The challenge here, that technology is so widely applicable. The hardest part has to be, okay, <laughs> where, where do we actually deploy it first? Do you think about 
deploying technology by category, right? So you talk about electric vehicles, clearly a large category today and will continue to get larger. Is that maybe how you think downstream? Well, you know, we probably could think that way. Right now, we've got kind of a high-class problem, which is we have so many incoming requests for partnerships that, that it's, more, it's more of an easier selection process than, than trying, to, trying to figure out where we should go. It's more a question of sort of sorting the inbox. I mean, you know, we're working on, we've got at least 40 different verticals right now with lots of companies in each vertical that are interested in, like I said, everything from big water heaters to spa heaters to coffee makers. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal. So... So we do look for impact as we sort of initially screen those things, and then it becomes more of a business case. You know, you have 40 plus, I mean, probably hundreds of inbound requests. You qualify them. And again, you speak to coffee, you speak to electric vehicles. Which of those are you most interested in? Are there any others that you can tease that we haven't discussed? There's one that, that we're working on that I can tell you about that I think really makes you feel great about our technology, and that is working to create a robust and relatively low-cost home dialysis machine because people that go to dialysis generally have to go to hospitals and sit there for four hours, you know, during whatever, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something like that. And I have a friend who's actually going to go in that now, and coincidentally, a company came to us and said, we think there's an opportunity to deploy your technology in that space. And so I think that's the one that sort of feels the best right now. I'm a car, car nut, so sort of the EV side is cool. And I love talking to people that design cars. I think there's some other things we're going to be doing that will be helping people in the senior or assisted living space to make their bathing experiences safer and more pleasurable. That also makes us feel pretty good. And, you know, we love coffee and tea and things like that. So those are kind of cool. But but I think the ones that really touch people in ways that they haven't been able to, to be touched before are the ones that, that we really like to work on. My favorite part of every interview is the lightning round. It's my favorite because I'm going to ask a couple questions and we're going to try to answer them in 60 seconds or less. Okay. You ready to go? I'm ready. So the first one's a softball. You've been president and CEO of a number of companies. You've had great success across all of these ventures. For the founders that are, you know, struggling or in the early innings or people that are considering starting their own thing, what are some of the habits you credit your success to? I think there's four things, Peter. One is you have to have persistence, obviously, because there's the troughs are always deeper than the peaks. The second thing is you have to have a really rigid and rigorous self-auditing process. So you're not fooling yourself into things like thinking that you're really good or maybe you were just lucky. Uh, third thing is that as a leader and an entrepreneur, you have to have the internal fortitude to make high risk and reward decisions. And then the fourth one is sort of the hardest ones. You have to take that vision and those decisions you're making and give it to the team and allow them to rework that creatively such that you know you end up getting the full benefit of them and buy-in and things like that. So those are, those are sort of the four lessons I've learned. Amazing. Um, if you weren't working on Heatworks, what problem area would you be exploring? Definitely doorknobs. <laughs> uh, uh, I, guess my next, I guess my next smart answer is just trying to figure out a device that would keep my phone from falling between my car seat and my console. That's probably the second one. Uh, I think... I think 
you know, as an engineer, you know, we're, we're, we're wired to solve problems. So I think, you know, it's, um, I guess I would, I guess it's heat work. I guess I don't really have an answer to that, but it was something in the, certainly something in the efficiency range that could affect the end of the world. It would definitely be somewhere in efficiency. All right. So the, the last question of the lightning round, it's my favorite and it's something that we ask every guest who has had the greatest impact on your learning and why? You know, I've been lucky to have a lot of great mentors uh, that came out of nowhere. But I, to be honest with you, I would say my wife, Susie, has had the greatest impact in my learning because she's a very creative person. She's a counselor and a painter. And having someone as a partner for life that that is curious and has always wants to learn is, is had a huge impact on me. And I can't thank her enough for her support for over the years and all the things I've learned. Amazing. Well, Jerry, you, you handled the lightning round with ease, with class. I have to roll out the red carpet. Is there anything you want to leave with our customers or our listeners? Any plugs, hiring needs? The floor is yours. Well, I mean, we're always looking for great people, engineers, program managers, biz dev people. And so, um, you know, the, the, the site is uh, myheatworks.com. Come by and uh, have a look. And, you know, if you have any ideas of, of uh, applications for heating any kind of liquid better, you know, just, you, just, you can go to info at heat or emails at info at heatworks.com. We're always looking for input. Uh, and just, you know, any any cop comments you have, good or bad, hopefully all good, about what we're trying to do would, uh, would be interesting. And, uh, you know, tell your friends. Uh, it's, it's cool stuff we're working on. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Another amazing episode. Thanks so much, Jerry, for coming on the show and to Melissa for making this happen. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing and writing us a review. It really does mean a lot to us. And sincere thanks to Dan Mahoney and Lucas Arndt, who produced this week's episode, and to Eddie Knuckles, our music director. I'm your host, Peter Levin, and if you'd like to recommend a guest, sponsor an episode, or help spread the message, you can find us on social at InGoodHands or our website, InGoodHands.us. Again, huge, huge thanks to all of you for your support. We really do appreciate it and can't wait to bring you another new episode next Tuesday. <laughs>